Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast, co-starring 10-year NBA center Ryan Hollins. Couple pump fakes, leads it, shot blocked by Ryan Hollins. Hollins sent that into the third row. Six rebounds and eight assists. Oh! Hollins climbs the stairs. Down the floor. Ryan Hollins, he is the high jumper. That's what I want to see. Give me some gunpowder and throw the hammer down. And now, here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. Welcome to another episode of Buecher and Hollins. I'm Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1. You can read me on Bleacher Report. And you can hear me on Radio.com, Scallon Pals. Obviously, you can find me here. You can also find me on Twitter, at Rick Buecher, and on Instagram, at Rick underscore Buker. He's Ryan Hollins. You can see him in a variety of places. You can hear him in a variety of places. And you can follow him on Twitter at the Ryan Hollins and on Instagram at simply Ryan Hollins. All right. Yahoo! The freaking season is underway. And I went down to LA to catch the Lakers and Clippers. I went to practice, the Lakers practice today. The Clippers already taking days off. <laughs> Took the day off today. Didn't we're recording this on what is it Wednesday? We're recording it on a Wednesday, day after the uh, season has started. So don't want to make too much. It is just one out of eighty-two, but it was you could tell what it meant to the two respective teams in LA. A battle for LA. Uh, uh, you know, it's it's sort of a normal trope to say that. It was playoff basketball. I don't know if it was playoff basketball, but it was intense. Everybody was playing Patrick Beverly style. And and I thought that we learned a lot. It might be one of 82, Ryan, but I thought we learned a lot. Before I tell you what I learned, I want to hear what you learned. Well, I've been saying all along that the Clippers were the better team. But you actually saw it pound for pound. And for a lot of folk, we had been, me and you both have been saying Kawhi Leonard is the best player on the planet right now. And there was kind of a pass because LeBron missed the playoffs. So you did, couldn't c- fairly evaluate what he could do. And not to say that LeBron is done, but at this moment, Kawhi Leonard is the best player on the planet. He's more efficient, he scores better. He has a go-to move that demands a double team. Uh, And defensively, 
he doesn't have to go like, oh, it's time to play defense. It's exerting. It's not like defense for Kawhi. I don't know if you feel about it. It's not exerting effort. Defense for Kawhi Leonard is just second nature because that's what he knows. He defends. Yeah. yeah. He defends at a certain level. He's always defending. And then when he decides, you know what? I think I might want to take the ball this possession. Then he goes, he goes next level and he starts three quartering you 28 feet from the basket and using those claws and ending up with the ball. I agree with you 100%. And I think what was shocking to me, not that the Kawhi Leonard is the better player, but in all the ways that he is a better player, even in terms of tempo and control, you would think, you know, look, he's a younger player. He doesn't have the same mileage on him that LeBron has. Uh, I would say that he has a team around him that it's better suited to his style than LeBron does right now. LeBron still has to kind of figure out how he can utilize this team if he can. But what shocked me was when there were need situations, LeBron James was playing either too fast or too slow. Kawhi Leonard played at a tempo. There was times where I felt like Kawhi Kawhi forced it a little bit. But Kawhi played at a tempo, at the tempo of a veteran who was comfortable under pressure, knowing what he wanted to do, surveying the defense, and deciding this is how I'm going to attack. LeBron seemed out of sorts at times, playing too fast, playing too slow. And it's one thing to turn the ball over or not to execute. But I, it just was shocking to me to see the two on the same floor. Kawhi played as if he'd been there before. And LeBron did not in the tempo that they play. Kawhi, Kawhi knew where he wanted to go on the floor. Never looked hurried. I do think he, he forced things a couple times and he could have played faster at times. That's, uh, that's Ryan rearranging the furniture right there. And, <laughs> and, and LeBron was playing fast at, fa- faster than he needed to at times and then slower than he needed to at times. And it, the, the scouts sat, sitting in front of me, but like there was a minute left, and I've seen this before. Really odd. I don't know if you've recalled seeing this with, with, with uh, LeBron. Where it's a game down by nine, down by ten, minute left, and you expect... You expect him to go fast. Come down, pull up, try a three, you hit three. Now we're now we're in business. Now we're in striking distance. And he was pounding the ball at the top of, of the arc and couldn't figure out what he was doing. But that wasn't the only example. And so I just wonder, what what do you make of that? Because LeBron's been there. Like LeBron knows how to play at the appropriate tempo. It shouldn't, he should never be out of sorts in terms of dictating the offense. So, Rick, LeBron has to adjust to playing playoff speed. He has to adjust to be playing as hard as he can play. See, last year he was in a situation where he didn't think the team was going too far. He didn't believe in his teammates. He wants to make it through 82 games. Mm. He just kind of figured out what he had to do, and then LeBron missed the playoffs. I remember when I was in Boston, the one of the things that happened was after playing in the playoffs and then coming to the Clippers and playing in the regular season, 
everything meant more, Rick. Diving after a loose ball, uh, getting a rebound, running the court. You knew the margin for winning was so small. Hmm. I so, say that because... So you were playing at a higher level the, sub, the, the, the subsequent season because you were still playing with the mindset that you had when you were in Boston. It was like second nature. Yeah. It was like second nature. Like I see, like ball on floor, man on floor. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like not preserve my legs for the regular season, not make it through. So, so that's what Kawhi was doing. Kawhi's still yes. playing off of the fumes of last year's NBA. Yes. If and Kawhi's, LeBron? LeBron, it's, LeBron, see, LeBron's in this worst place. Kawhi's already seasoned that this is what I have to do. This is the pace. Just NBA finals pace, which LeBron is used to. Excuse me, uh, what LeBron would be used to, Kawhi's playing at. Kawhi, uh, LeBron James is figuring out how to play hard again. I doubt that LeBron has even played hard in practice. Hmm. I doubt they even really just scrimmage and get it in. It's almost like the like you like you. Can you imagine Tom Brady at practice with the with the little red jersey on? Go, whoa, hey, don't touch Tom. Hey, well, you got to rush in. Don't touch him. You better you better fall on your own face before you touch Tom. Well, I no, there's no touching Tom, but I guarantee you, Tom's trying to torch that defense every yeah, time. There's also no touch of LeBron either. Uh, understood, and, understood. And the Clippers, but, hey, hey, I tell you one darn thing: ain't nobody in practice guarding that man like Patrick Beverly guarded him. That's that's true too. That that was the true <laughs> sign of of just how hard everybody was playing. Pat, Patrick Beverly didn't look out of place. But here's the thing. Everybody was telling me about all the days off that LeBron had and how hard he was going to come back and play. And I, and, and I thought he did. I thought coming out of the gate, he played like this was, like he had something to prove. Oh, Kawhi, we got, we got a new guy in town. Let me remind you that LA is my town. I've already been here. This is my spot. That's how he came out and played, but he couldn't sustain it. He was, I mean, and and same with AD. AD looked terrific early on. And then I just, you know, it was funny because they were playing, the Lakers were getting some easy stuff. It didn't rattle the Clippers. And the way the Clippers were just grinding and grinding and they were making things harder and harder. And I thought, you know what? This is going to catch up. The Clippers are going to put, or they continue to put fresh bodies on AD. And they got they got enough guys that can defend, and you have to guard them on the perimeter. And that was the thing for me that was the the, the huge difference. The Clippers played good defense, and they gave me indications they're going to be a really good defensive team, maybe the best defensive team in the league. The Lakers, the Lakers could not defend even when they wanted to. Every once in a while, they'd come up with a big play. But LeBron James was the one. If LeBron James wasn't making a big play, Clippers were getting anything that they wanted. Lakers want to talk about all the, the shots that they missed, the good shots that they missed. Yeah, you know what? Clippers had all the good shots that they wanted too, and they got them either going to the rim or they got them, uh, they got them in wide open threes, corner threes. So I just I see, I see a huge difference between Kawhi and LeBron, and I see a huge difference between these teams do you do you think you, there's more for the lakers like you think they're like I, I hate to say close the gap this early but mm. I, I i just if you're asking me who the better team is and who i think is going to be the better team and who can get even better 
I know the Clippers are going to get better. I know they're going to get tougher. You don't even have PG yet. PG and 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 Kawhi could be the Scottie Pippen Michael Jordan combo in terms of locking you down defensively. They could be better. They could be because defensively be they could be better. Like like you guys like it's like blast for me to say like. Kawhi I was waiting. Leonard, I was waiting for a little pushback because Ka- Kawhi Leonard arguably could be the greatest defender of all time. He's bigger and he's stronger than Scotty. He can do things that Scottie Pippen cannot do. Scottie Pippen could not roll over and guard Giannis Antetokounmpo on the block. Scottie Pippen getting put in the rim. That's not happening. Scottie Pippen can move his feet with point guards. He may be a little more nimble than Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, that's what okay? I was maybe, maybe he wins the agility battle, but yeah. Kawhi ain't getting burnt. We saw Kawhi Leonard run around and chase Steph Curry if needed. Okay? Uh, and, and Paul George ain't no slouch. This guy was Without question. You know, up, for, up for defensive player of the year. So that could be the greatest defensive combo of all time. And keep in mind, Scotty's all of what, 6'7? Mike is what, 6'6 six, six and a half? Yeah. We're looking at 6'8, six, 6'8. Eight, six, eight. Yep. So those guys are guarding forwards the same way that they're guarding, guarding point guards. And, you know, in, in, in especially a modern center, Rick. Here's the other thing. Aside from Patrick Beverly, they have what the Warriors long had, which is depth at the 3-4, where you can put fresh bodies on the best small forward, power forward, whoever it is. You got Jermichael Green. You got Mo Harkless. You got Montrez Harrell. Who am I forgetting? Anybody else you put in that equation? Obviously, uh, uh, Kawhi. You could put Paul George in that equation. That's five guys who can play three, and if need, I mean, Kawhi was on was on AD. AD didn't want any of that. Well, you're, you're missing the, the one guy, and he's the smallest one. Yeah, ironically, it's Patrick Beverly. Well, Bev, yeah, true, and he was on he was on LeBron a lot. But I'm just he's saying, on LeBron a lot. Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying in terms of those those guys that if you know teams look for that to exploit that three four. If I, I'm going to put a a big body, if I'm going to put a big body on LeBron, then uh, then LeBron's going to take him outside. And if you put a smaller body on him that's quicker, well, now I'm going to take him on, on, on the block. The guys that they have, you can't do that. Giannis, where's Giannis going to operate? And AD, when it came to Montrez, he wanted no part of that. That's, the, that's, that's why you can't play through AD. And it's funny because I was at practice today and Frank Vogel was singing the praises of their post game. He goes, you know what? Hey, our post game, that's something that's that's going to be difficulty for other teams. And I'm thinking, yeah, but you have to play too slow to play in the post. And people are going to people are going to make AD beat them on a nightly basis. If you're going to post AD and you're going to play that way, then he's going to have to take you home. And I don't know that AD has the physical ability to play on the post and punish you all night long. He didn't. He didn't in game one. Rick, that scares the heck out of me. Hearing that? If Frank Vogel believes that he's still playing in the NBA that he coached in and I competed against, where you drop the ball to your best player and he gets busy and he takes Valium shots and you kind of play through your horse and you win like that, Lakers got problems. 
Frank Vogel going to have to go. If he still thinks because there was a time and place where you would win and you would say, hey, you know, Danny Granger, you know, we're running drop drop 13 for you, you know, uh, turn 13, turn, turn 35, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. go, go get me a bucket mm-hmm. and then let's play defense and work around him. You don't win like that. You got to score. Yep. A post up right now that is not a glaring mismatch is the worst play in basketball. Why, Rick? Because you have four other guys sitting. You have one guy that has to score multiple baskets. And then after he can't score, he's got to run down and he's got to defend fresh legs. So now when you just post up AD all game long and he he didn't do enough to get double team, like go ahead, go get – that's the game plan. Uh, You want to know the Clippers game plan? Go get 30 AD. We're not doubling. Mm -hmm. And guess what? If you really cook – AD, if you really cook and you know what we're going to do, we're going to send Kawhi over there and that's it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, or, that's the or, golden hey, gun. Or Montrez. I mean, Montrez on the block is tough and long. Mm-hmm. Eight, now, eight. Montrez has a tendency to get in foul trouble a little bit, but maybe there's that. There's definitely an intimidation factor that's there. That's what I'm talking but about. But listen, listen. All said and done, <laughs> you got Patrick Patterson. And the nice thing, you shoot, we forgot you didn't even list Patrick Patterson. Patrick Patterson's an athletic body. I'm that's going at I was you. For, that's who I was forgetting. That's yeah. who I was forgetting. And all of those guys can hit an open three. All, every oh, single no, Montrez is the only one who can't step out. No, he can actually hit a three. He just doesn't do it. He's he's improved, but he like he doesn't do it. Yeah, I've seen it. No, it's oh, just well, not. Well, his, it's not his job. Ben Simmons can hit a three, or Ben Ben Simmons has hit a three. We've seen him hit a three. That doesn't mean that he can shoot a three. By the way, I'm also, just as an aside, since we're on the whole three-point thing, uh, I have my doubts about Markel Fultz. Now? Now you have doubts? Well, I guess I was was drinking some of the Orlando Kool-Aid that, you know, they show all these, they've shown all these practice all these videos from practice of him hitting threes, which so before the game, I'm watching Patrick Beverly and he's shooting threes. And not only is he shooting threes, but he's making threes. He's not only making threes, but he's swagging after every three. He's like holding this form. He's doing a little backstep shimmy. He's I'm getting the next yeah. one. He's dropping it. And I'm thinking, Oh, Okay, I can't wait till we get in the game. Patrick Beverly's going to surprise some people. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. We get into the game. Wide open three after wide open three. Bev, clang, hitting that front rim. Clang, hitting that front rim. He hit the front rim so hard they were able to get the offensive rebound multiple times because the ball shot right back in his direction. Uh, so. I hear you on Montrez. There's nothing about his, although it was disappointing. He missed a lot of free throws yesterday. 
He's going to get he's going to get fouled. I love the way he plays. He's one of my favorite players to watch. Uh, but he's he has to knock down free throws. That those are the little things. Those are the little things that make the difference between you ending up with a ring and not ending up with a ring. That's where that's where I totally am agree. with the Clippers. I'm looking at I'm looking at them as okay, let me see what if what what would prevent them from winning a championship? Because I saw so many things that say this is their year in that first game. I'm I'm on that wagon. Marcellus Wiley, move over, bud, because I need a spot. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing, and I've been preaching this, and Rick, you can attest to that, I just know Doc Rivers' delay system. Uh, delay is where the big gets the ball at the top, and Montrez Harrell has just free reign to play with whoever he wants. Mm-hmm. And Kawhi Leonard was an easy plug-and-play because – you know, you got a Kyrie Irving who went for 50 points tonight in a loss, by right. the way. Right. And you go like, well, how do I – coach goes, how do I get the most out of Kyrie Irving? Well, you get less out of everybody else and you give him the basketball. Right. Which I, I'll be interested I, to see how that plays. Because as you noted, um, yep, they that lost. That could get ugly. Well, this is where – this is what I didn't take into account. Let, let me finish this real quick. But I yeah. will say the difference with the Clippers – is that Kawhi Leonard doesn't need the basketball to get busy. Yep. He will find, and that's coming from starting in uh, San Antonio, mm. he'll find the ball himself. It'll come, it'll find his energy, and if I counted, Doc Rivers called three to five plays for Kawhi. Three to five plays were actually called for Kawhi in the game. He got everything he got out of the flow of the offense, and just naturally. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. Yeah. The this is the thing. I've I've I have been I don't know if I've been predicting doom, but I've been skeptical about the Nets springboarding off of last year with the addition of Kyrie or Kyrie replacing D'Angelo Russell. And there was something that I saw as a result of them losing tonight that may be the difference and maybe the thing that we didn't take into account when we looked at Boston's meltdown last year. I think we all collectively, I know I did, we put it all on Kyrie. Kyrie didn't know how to lead. Kyrie said the wrong thing. Kyrie sulked. Kyrie wanted out of town, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I know that, or what I've been told is, all of Kyrie's Kyrie doing the 180 from wanting to stay there had to do with something that Danny Ainge way Danny Ainge handled him and uh, upbraided him for the way he was trying to lead that that's what turned things. But I saw something with the Nets when he missed the last shot that makes me wonder maybe just maybe. It's not about Kyrie uh, infecting the Nets. Maybe the Nets take their chemistry from last year, their culture from last year, and they wrap it around Kyrie. Because when he fell down and he took the last shot and he missed the shot, and this is the guy who went for 50, and basically for the last three, four minutes, he took every shot, every attack, and every guy consoled him, picked him up, patted him on the back. They were like, hey, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. 
That wouldn't have that didn't happen in Boston. Mm. Terry Rozier, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, all those guys, they were envious. They there was they, from the very beginning there was a feeling of, oh, this dude's stealing our thunder. Mm. I didn't see any of that with the Nets. It was and and I don't I don't know whether Kenny Atkinson did this, but I would not be surprised if he and Sean Marks, knowing what happened with Kyrie in Boston knowing who Kyrie is, went to the team and said, hey, listen, we need to put our arms around this guy. We need to bring him in and make him feel like he's part of us. Because that's not what happened in Boston. Mm. And considering the chem... Sean Marks knows this from his San Antonio days, and he knows what it's not like from his New Orleans days. (laughs) Sean Marks knows the difference. And Kenny Atkinson coached this team last year as if he understood how to build chemistry. I just wonder, this I'm not saying it's going to work because Kyrie still has to come along. But the Nets, we, we may not have given enough responsibility to the rest of the Celtics for the lack of chemistry. And the Nets may just be a team that's capable of pulling Kyrie in and getting the best out of him and being able to absorb his flaws, if you will. I don't know if you've ever experienced that with a team, but that's that's something I tonight when I as I watched that game at the end, I was like, this is different. This is these guys aren't envious. They're not, they're not, uh, you know, they're not jealous. They're not, hey, you know, you you took all the shots and you still didn't win the game. There was there was none of that. There was we're going to pick this guy up, and and maybe that'll make a difference. I we'll see, but it could. No, I I agree. Uh, I do blame Kyrie, but I also understand he had to be put in a stable situation, and he didn't know how to lead. He didn't know how to talk to people, and it, it was really confusing because there are messages in 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 Boston that should have been said to Kyrie. It should have been said to the rest of the team that weren't said because you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Like what? What do you mean? You mean and you mean from Brad Stevens? If I know that a player is going to leave, yeah, I'm very hesitant to say what I need to say to him. Hmm. And I, I believe when I was in Washington, uh, John was coming up around for an extension, and Witt was the coach there, Randy Whitman, and I felt like as good as John was people were scared to really coach and say things to him. Hmm. And John is a great dude who plays his butt off. Yeah. He doesn't get credit for a lot of that. John Wall takes a lot of flack, but John Wall wants to be coached. I'm not saying Witt didn't coach him, but sometimes there's that hesitancy. I'm not saying Brad didn't coach Kyrie, but there's that hesitancy like, ah, am I going to ruffle this guy's feathers and he's going to be gone? Yeah. Or do I have them under salary for the next four or five years? No, and do I have it. a culture that says this is how we're going to roll? No. Can Kenny Atkinson now coach Kyrie Irving? You know what I'm saying? Because guess what? Kyrie Irving going for a 50 ball ain't they system, bro. They they run the dribble drive offense with the, with the hard dynamic roller going down the middle on the weak side big. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they at a hit paint after paint touch after paint touch and then kick for threes. D'Angelo Russell was not good enough that you had to run the offense. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Yep. So the curse is Kyrie, you're good enough, you're scoring, so I'll, we'll, we'll go get busy. Yep. That does make it difficult at times, though, for guys, because you're just not you're not in you're not involved in the same way. And I, and I think that's difficult. And I don't know if you you ran into this, but you know the difference. To, I, mean, I see it on the defensive end. If a guy's involved, the guy's touching the ball at the offensive end. He just feels like he's part of the effort and energy that you get at the other end. Is uh, sometimes it's just obvious. It's it's just so apparent, and that's where it gets difficult when you're constantly just running back, trying to defend, get the ball, then you hand it over, then you stand around. You can't help even it's human nature. You can't help but get a little stagnant defensively. No. Oh, you get very stagnant. It's easy to play against, man. Yeah. No. It is. It is tough to play against. I get it. I understand a guy gets going, but you know, like when I see fifty, I want to see fifteen assists. No. Now we really talking. That, that's what Harden doesn't get credit for because Harden will have some of those monster games. It's true. Where he he'll have fifteen you know, 16 assists because he's drawn double teams with his offense and now he's getting guys involved. Yeah. The uh, the other game uh, on opening night, obviously, was the Pelicans visiting the Raptors. And the only reason that game, the only reason the Pelicans were playing on opening night against the defending champions is because of Zion Williamson. He was not there, out six to eight weeks. Meniscus tear. Uh, I say this not comparing myself to Zion Williamson as an athlete, but I tore my Kinda. meniscus my senior year Kinda. in high school. Uh, I had surgery my freshman year in college. After my freshman year playing uh, soccer uh, with the with the varsity, um, and so I played. I'm, I only say that because I I played the season and then had the, had 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 the knee repaired, and uh, never had another problem. So obviously, this is not his first knee injury everybody's talking about his conditioning and his weight he has to lose weight he has to lose weight ryan for me it's not the weight charles barkley same size played damn near over 300 pounds at times it's the way he plays and i don't know if you can change that but he has to find a more efficient way to play he reminds me he reminds me more of Derrick Rose than he does of Charles Barkley in the way he plays because it's there's so much torque. There's so much change of direction. And your joints are just not made for to, to play in this game, in the NBA game today, 82 games. I just, I don't know how he can play that style. Even as you watch Derrick Rose, and I watched him finish the game against Detroit, Winning that Detroit, winning that game without Blake Griffin. Derrick Rose, Derrick Rose is finding his way to spots, not trying to do the same thing, which is why he's he's learned. Like he's trying to be more more efficient, more effective, without being as explosive. To me, that's the change that Zion has to make if he's not going to if he wants to avoid continuing to have these issues with his knees and everything else. Zion's going to have to learn some pace because right now, if he's not playing 110 miles per hour, he's not as effective as you, you stated. So I agree with you there. 
the one thing that for those who don't know what meniscus is and how it ends up getting hurt, how it affects a ball player, it's your side to side movement. Uh, it's, it's in a sense, your stabilizer. So you can What's run, you can essentially, it's cartilage yeah. in your knee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can jump, uh, you can, you can run, but if that thing, you know, it'll come off and kind of flap. And if it gets stuck, mm. it can cause a lot of swelling. Mm. It can, uh, you can stiffen up the knee. Yep. I mean, if you catch if you catch a tear going mm-hmm. full speed, you can rip that meniscus out of body yeah. might do that. Yeah, but that stabilizer is the problem. And for a guy like Zion, he does a lot of sideways moving. He does a lot of cutting, as you alluded to. Mm-hmm. And I believe where he definitely did it or def- did not help was that shoe blowout. Yep. And for Duke University, gets into the game, goes to make a card cut. And it blows out, and it puts a lot of pressure on that knee. He ends up missing some time for it, and it, it was a mind, like you said, it was a mind. He could have played 82 games with a slightly torn meniscus, even a torn meniscus. Mm-hmm. Is that smart? Is it what you want to do? No, not with the number one pick. So fair to say, right, Rick? Let's not overreact and let's not underreact because we don't want this turn turn into something else. Right. But Big fella got to lose some weight, and he has to change, in my opinion, more pace to his game. Right. And by the way, I, I wasn't a number one pick. I was a walk-on. So another <laughs> another great distinction. You're our, our number one pick. Zion, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. And, and let's be clear, too. This injury is different from the injury at Summer League. Summer League, he was out of shape. And David Griffin made a big issue about He's, this didn't happen because he's out of shape. And I, I, would, I would tend to agree with that. The issue is not his conditioning at this point. You can be in great condition and still be carrying a little too much weight. And I do think he True. has to slim down. But, but for me, it, it has to do with, look, Chuck, if you, if you go back and watch how Charles Barkley played, Charles, first of all, he, had, he played with pace. He, could, he had the step back mid-range. He could shoot a three. And when he was explosive, he was explosive over you. Or he was explosive one step and boom. That's not what Zion is. Zion, as you correctly noted, has to go. He's in He's in motion. He's going 110 miles an hour and then spinning on you and going up. It's a completely different game. And it's why Chuck could play heavy and why... Zion with the game that he has right now cannot. And I don't, no matter, even if he lightens up, he's going to have to develop skills that allow him to play a different way because just being that explosive, living off of that, he's headed down the Derrick Rose Avenue. And uh, I don't wish that on anybody. All right, that does it. For this episode of Buker and Hollins, subsidiary of the United WeCast Network, please check out our other podcasts, Aid Groupies, and get some by comedian actor Gary Owen. In the next podcast, uh, I'm going to tell you, one, something I learned, (laughs) something I learned listening to the Nationals-Astros game. You're going to want to hear this. This is... I, I think oh, this is gosh. unique. This is unique for the Nationals. I know I'm 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 delving into uh, the baseball 
side of things. Yeah, who, who saw the Astros get whooped like this? Golly. Uh, I, the Nationals became my team. So I, I, Bro. I, I also got on that on that bandwagon. Uh, but uh, we will continue uh, the conversation about uh, what, we, what we're seeing around the NBA uh, with this, this opening week, uh, as well as uh, is, the, is the China controversy over? Or is there more that's going to happen? Does the league get to, need to be prepared for more on that front? We'll discuss all of that in the next podcast. Uh, don't forget, rate us on uh, iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and then screenshot that review, just the stars, how many stars you gave us, or the comment that you left, and send it to Apuka Friends, and you will be eligible to win a copy of, this is uh, giving this out since uh, the China issue uh, has raised itself. I did a book with Yao, Life in Two Worlds, about the difference between the two cultures. Uh, in China and here. Very informative, I think, for anybody who's interested in the situation that the NBA finds itself. Uh, we're going to give that away uh, once we hit... Where are we? I don't know. Uh, we get 50, 50 ratings. We add 50 ratings to the pot, and then uh, and we'll give away a copy of uh, Yao, A Life in Two Worlds. But in the meantime, for Ryan, for myself, as always, thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.